Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. So we are back with a roundtable discussion with Shauna Moda. You guys have heard her podcast a little bit about infidelity. We wanted to do a roundtable with her because on the podcast with her, she talked a lot about what she calls radical self-love, which we have a lot of questions about. And we thought it'd be great to get her on and maybe have a discussion around what does radical self-love mean? What does it mean to uh, surrender? What does it mean to forgive? All of these like questions that I think a lot of us maybe get hung up on, like, do you, do you forgive other people? How do you forgive someone else? Especially, you know, in Shauna's case, like someone who betrayed her, someone as close to her as her husband betraying her. And obviously you guys know Danny and I's story. So we're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. Let's just pretend it's a different week. But it's not. It's literally right after we just recorded the last one. (laughs) We're going to keep it going. Um, So tell us a little bit about the concept of what you call radical self-love. And maybe how does someone know if they need to do this work? That's a really good question. So for me, how I would define radical self-love is loving yourself fully and completely. So all of your dimensions, Mm. all of the parts of who you are, the lightness and the dark, and really owning your truth and your story. And a lot of times when you're looking in the past, you know, there are some parts of our stories that we're maybe not proud of or we shame ourselves for. Mm. And so it's learning to love even those parts of ourselves. Okay. Even learning to love those parts of yourself and accepting. I think this is really interesting. And I think people might wonder, well, like, what if I still don't like that part? Like, what am I supposed to? So let's just say, let's just say a body thing, right? Like I'm 30 pounds overweight. And I think if I lose 30 pounds, then I will like myself and love myself. Like, where's the line between like acceptance and like really loving yourself as is and like waiting it's a really good. They're like, like that. yeah, like I just think this is kind of a tricky thing. Like people want to go, well, I would love myself, but I still want to change the way I look. I still don't like the way that I yeah. look. Yeah, Sean is saying I need to like just like everything, and I'm just never gonna <laughs> try to lose weight. Yeah, yeah. So the, you know that quote that says you're allowed to be both a masterpiece and a work in progress mm. at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that's really powerful in loving what is and loving where you're at now. Yeah, but you can still strive. For, for for more or for different or for better. Yeah. So it's really about owning, it's owning who you are in this moment and loving all the parts of yourself. Is radical self-love meaning that you have to love yourself or is it is acceptance good enough? Acceptance is great. I think that's step one is really mm-hmm. accepting the parts and the pieces. And then radical s- self-like is step two. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. I like myself radically. I like radical self. <laughs> it starts with radical self-deprecation and then it goes into <laughs> radical self-acceptance and then self meh and then self-like and then self-love. Yeah. <laughs> self meh. It is funny, but I mean, I think like when, again, when I, and ra- I use the word radical always because it takes radical courage. Mm-hmm. It takes radical effort, determination to, to fully love yourself. And I always, I, I do, I am of the belief that to, to fully love anyone else, you truly have to love yourself first. 
And so when I say radical self-love, it's like fall head over heels in love with you. Mm. Like treat you like you would the love of your life. I like that. When I hear radical self-love, I don't know why. I mean, I do know why because I just go to, to this place. But it just makes me think of like sexuality and just intense masturbation. That's part of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, self-care. That's yeah. part of self-care for sure. That's part of it because it's the same thing. You want to be able to turn yourself on so then you yeah. can turn on others. So you know how? Yeah. When you're with someone else. I get that. So how does someone know, and I'm asking both of you guys because this is roundtable, how does someone know they need to do this work? So you had mentioned before, like there's something in their past that maybe they have shame around. So they, uh, they don't like it. They have regrets, even anything else, like maybe minute to minute, what emotions are they feeling? Emotions would be maybe not confident in making mm -hmm. decisions. Yeah. Maybe, you know, second guessing yourself, having to look to others for validation is mm. a huge one. So a lot of people seek external validation to feel whole and complete. When you fully love yourself, you create that also internal happiness. So again, if you're looking outside of yourself or for someone else or your job for happiness, it's instead cultivating it from within. Read what do you guys think comes first, having confidence or self-love? Like, do you think self-love pr promotes confidence or if you have confidence, then you'll love yourself more? Uh, Which comes first, the mm, chicken or the I egg? I think everyone's journey might be a little different. Mm. I think acceptance, I like how you said acceptance. I think that's step there's aware. So awareness would mm. be step number one. Yeah. Being aware yeah. of the parts of yourself you don't love or being aware of your patterns. Yeah. A pattern is another red flag. If you notice similar patterns coming up in your life and you react a certain way over and over and over again, and it's not serving you, yeah. that's another point of evidence that you need to do some work. So awareness is number one. Acceptance. Yeah. You're meh. No. Yeah. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> Being okay with it. And All then right. We're just really, really loving it and owning it. And once you do those steps, you're confident because you're, you're owning yeah. all that you are. You know, it was really interesting. I had an experience early on at Jill Fit. Jill Fit was like maybe about three months old. And I think I might have told the story once before, but when I first started, it was like a health and fitness company fully. And it was all about science. And it was very about biochemistry based. And as you guys know, like my ex-husband was very like sciencey. And so I remember I was writing blogs. And it was taking me like days and weeks because I was like citing all these studies. And like, it was just taking forever. And I had one moment actually, actually after I found out about one of Jade's like kind of something with his ex-lover. And I was just devastated. And I wrote this post and it wasn't about that, but it was like just very bare bones, very authentic. Up until that point had been the most vulnerable piece I had shared, wrote in like 30 minutes, like publish. And I remember feeling so scared, like, holy shit, I'm like pulling back the curtain. People are going to see that I'm not perfect. And I like admit to struggling and I have struggles too. And it's the very first time now looking back at that post, it's like not a big deal at all. But I remember, and I know you had mentioned affirmation. I want to have a conversation about that too. But the affirmation that I got as a result of sharing that post made it feel okay mm. to be vulnerable when before I felt like I had to have it all together, mm. right? Like I had to show this perfect side of me all the time. I couldn't let people mm. see me sweat. And now all of a sudden I'm getting affirmation and people are coming out of the woodwork being like, this is the best post you've had this thus far. And it was just authentic and it was vulnerable. And so to your point about confidence, that did give me a bit of confidence mm. that like, okay, the thing that I'm terrified of is actually being received well enough that I feel affirmed to keep doing that. And so then I check myself, right? Like, am I just trying to do this for likes and shares and comments and whatever, or am I doing it for me? Isn't it cathartic? Mm -hmm. Because now I'm, I'm pulling back the curtain on some of the shame and some of the embarrassment and some of the maybe like self-hatred or self-disgust that I kind of have. And I'm kind of putting that out in front and like letting the chips fall. So it was a good, so I do think it's probably both. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of like revealing 
and yep. then going, okay, I survived that little bit of reveal. Yeah. Maybe yep. I can reveal a little bit more. And like to your point in your in the podcast, like that vulnerability allows for the dissipation of shame, I think, in yeah. a lot of ways. I love that. I think that it's, it's it is really important to share and that like you say, you reveal and then you, you, so it's like, it's a stretch. I like Baby to call step. it stretching. Yeah. yeah. So you stretch your capacity for what you know and who you are. And then you stretch some more. And I think a big piece in like radical self-love is, and my mission in life is to, for people to live a life fully expressed. Mm. So fully expressed is sharing those, those parts that might be shameful or might be that. And then being like, oh, I got through that. So, yeah. you know, oh, wow, I just recorded a podcast uh, with Jill, Jill <laughs> and Danny about my infidelity. Oh, wow. Yeah. Stretch like, goal, yeah. Stretch goal. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's like, yeah, those little stretches and, and just being fully expressed, just being you. Yeah. And so in your vulnerability and authenticity, you found strength and power yep. and confidence. Yeah. And so I, I do that. think at the beginning, like I love the conversation around affirmation because I think there's healthy affirmation. I think there's unhealthy affirmation. And by the way, this can be in anything, right? So we talked a lot about relationships it's like, I need to be seen as attractive by men for, as an example, like maybe women are like, I need to be attracted. I need to be seen as attractive. So that's why I'll put ass photos on Instagram or we'll do whatever we feel like we need to do to be seen a certain way. And you can work through like kind of the self esteem stuff around body and then it can show up in business. And all of a sudden you're needing to make more money. You need to make more money. So it's like, it just transfers over if you don't actually do the work. Mm -hmm. And so has your experience been similar? Like, okay, same theme, different outfit. I know I'm not done yet. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I think, oh, mine has for sure, like identity. So I would say the first thing was I was an acrobat at SeaWorld and I ended up being paralyzed and I was told that I might not walk again. And this was like, my whole identity was like, I'm an acrobat. My degree was in physical education. Everything in my life is around my physical thing, my physical body. And now I can't do that. So who am I? And then again, it showed up. It's like, I just keep getting this identity thing like hammered into me. I think I'm finally fucking getting it. But it was then I was competing and then I got my adrenal fatigue and I started gaining weight and I was supposed to be like the fitness guru. And all of a sudden I'm like the fitness guru who's gaining weight. So who am I? And then my marriage, I like really identified as being a wife and being as a couple. And suddenly I'm not a couple and who am I again? And I think that there are these things that can come show up in another place. Like mine was this identity thing. Like I am not who I am physically, like what I do. I am not who I look like and I am not who I am attached to or married to. And I think that they can show up in different ways. You know, like you said, in business, like it shows up in your body and then you go over here and then it's your business. I think for me, this identity thing has showed up in many places to go, you're not any of those things, you know? So, so you have to know that you are that you're amazing and that you're valuable and that you're worthy yeah. regardless of who you're with, what you're doing, yeah. how much money you're making, right? Like, is that yeah. really what we're talking about? Yeah. No, yeah. I love that you just, that's like, exactly. I love how you shared that. And it's kind of like uh, the quote, like how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah. So you're showing up, you're seeing these patterns and that is again, evidence that work needs to be done in that yeah. area. Yeah. You know, when you see those same signs and life is throwing you the same lessons, yep. it will continue to show you the lessons until you finally learn it yeah. and own it. And, and you then, know, too, it's like, I thought I learned the lesson, right? I was like, okay. <laughs> Hey, I'm not my physical, like what I do. And then it was like, oh, now it's what you look like. And I pushed it all into that. And then it was like, well, shit, now it's like, who you're, you just, you, th- but I think, yeah, like I said, I think I finally got it. I don't know who might show up again right now with that. So I think for me, a big piece came with the adrenal fatigue. I remember thinking for a while, I was looking at my, one of my best friends at the time. And I was like, if she gained 30 pounds, would I just not like her anymore? And I was going, no, 
if my, if my husband gained all this weight, would I not, you know, like I started thinking I was putting myself in other shoes of going like, if this person had whatever, like if my friend was paralyzed, would I hate them? No. If my friend gained the weight, would I not like them? If my friend got divorced, would I, and I started to go, I wouldn't feel any different about them. So then I started asking myself, what do I like about them? What is it about them? It's the way they made me feel, the way that we laugh when we're together. There's like just their spirit, their personality. So then I turned it back on me and I go, I have those things. Then I had to find out what are those things about me? Mm -hmm. What are the things that make me me that aren't my legs, (laughs) that aren't me in a bikini? So I had to see like, I'm fun to be around. Like my personality is like I'm joyful. And I started to look at the things that make me me and why people would want to be with me. And that's hard too because sometimes when you're in a funk, you're like, why the fuck would anybody want to be my friend? Like I'm a loser or I'm not that great. Or like Sean is prettier than me and Jill's smarter than me. So like, why am I, why does anybody care about me? And you could turn it to a negative place, but also you can go, well, Sean is pretty fucking awesome. Jill's really awesome. If they're friends with me, then they must see something in me that I'm so, what is that? And I really had to, I mean, it's been a process still. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think still like, you know, we're in this space um, all together and we're around amazing fucking people all the time. So I do get there sometimes where I'm like, dang, these people are so cool. Like, what am I doing with, you know, like you go, you make the comparison trap, like Lori, her, she's so gorgeous and she's got this beautiful hair, or wh- whatever it is. And I think you ultimately have to go, why can't I see that in myself or what part of them can I see in myself mm-hmm. and then love those parts of myself regardless, you know, and that's can be really tricky. It is. It's really difficult. But yeah. again, on, and that, yeah, that's exactly the path of self-love, by the way, yeah. finding the parts of yourself that you do love. But also when you're fully loving yourself, you, there's no, there is no comparison because mm-hmm. you recognize that you are a unique and magical being mm-hmm. and that there is no one else like you on the planet. And that is your power. Yeah. You know, so that's awesome. You had mentioned on the previous podcast that you had started doing this work before you found out about your spouse's infidelity, which is amazing and timely and awesome. What made you, because for me, I only started doing personal development work when there was like a rift in my relationship and I had no fucking tools. Yeah. And I was like, I need something and I can't just have people being like, he's an asshole. Like that was not helpful to me. So what was the, like, what was the trigger for you? Was it something that was going on with you that you were like, I need some tools or was it the people you were surrounded by? Yeah, that's a really good question. So my, my first what I would call personal development work was actually my yoga teacher training. Mm. Okay. Um, and I, I went on that when I, I left a toxic job, thought I had everything together in life and it was just not serving me at all. And so I left that job and one of my best girlfriends was a yoga teacher. So she was like, oh, you should do, it's, it's kind of a place where you're like, you know there's more to learn about life and about yourself. So I'm gonna go do my yoga teacher training. And it mm-hmm. wasn't with the intention to teach at the time. And that was my first opening my mind to it because it's a lot of non-attachment, surrender, forgiveness, Mm -hmm. and all these bigger topics that we talk about. And then through that, the circle of friends, I started, you know, surrounding myself with people. You know, once you go on one path, you, people start showing up that are on that same path. So my good friend, you guys know Dr. Lowe, Laura yeah. Noel? Yeah, yeah. So she ended up enrolling me in MITT. Uh And I literally had no idea, but I was like, oh, I can't like, and I, I, you know, I thought uh, everyone thinks they're good. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't I'm have not any, that crazy. Okay. I don't have any demons. I don't <laughs> have any like, wounds to heal. Ha ha ha. Yeah. I'll go. And like first day, I'm like, I got this. Like I'm above this. Sure. <laughs> and you go, you dig deeper and you pull back the layers of the onion and you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. That one little, little thing from my past is showing up very big in my current reality mm-hmm. and, and blocking me from or preventing me from being the best version of myself and going after my dreams. And it's like those self-limiting beliefs that we all have. So that, that was the work is determining what those self-limiting beliefs were, where they came from, and then just squashing them. And what it's a lot of, of yours. 
What were some of mine? Your self-limiting beliefs. Not worthy, which I think we all have that one. I'm not I worthy. I think if you're human, you just don't yeah, feel worthy. Yeah, if you're worthy. human, you don't feel worthy. <laughs> I'm not worthy. Speak I'm, for yourself, bitches. Yeah, I'm not no, smart <laughs> enough. I'm not experienced enough to like start my own business or run a business. One of my things was like, oh, you're always going to, you're always going to work for other people mm. in building their dreams, but not mm-hmm. build your own. Yep. But the not worthy thing was big. And then I also was, uh, I'm a recovering people pleaser. Yeah. So that was my, one of my big, biggest wounds is just, and it came from childhood and things that happened in childhood where yep. I just wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be loved. So I started living a life in order to please others. Yeah. I made decisions and I showed up. I was a chameleon and I showed up to please others. I said what people wanted to hear. I did what people wanted to do. And I, my, my thing was like, oh, I'm easygoing. I'm just so easygoing and I'm okay with this. Yeah. And then you realize that you're not living your truth and you're living someone else's life. Mm. And so that's what I, I discovered through all the work that I've done. Yeah. So what when those you? things when those things come up though, I think sometimes you can tend to get just pissed off at yourself and mad. Like I know when I started to go to some of these workshops, like I went to um, one in 2013 and it was about a big financial thing. And then I started getting mad at like all the things I'd done in the past And ultimately I had to forgive myself. That was a really, really tough piece because it was like suddenly I had the awareness and I didn't know what to do with it. So then I was just angry. I was like, I want to redo on life. I need to start over. Like I just like I'm fucked now because it's like, oh, I have this limiting belief. I have this limiting belief. Now I know all my limiting beliefs. What do I do with that shit? And then it came to I love it. I always love the double judgment. (laughs) Like you you judge yourself and then you go, I should have known better. Yeah, yeah. So then it was a matter of like really trying to give some forgiveness and grace to myself. So how does that play into it? Like, do you have to forgive yourself to love yourself or can you just like hit a reset button? Like, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is a big part of it. Yeah. And I actually, it's interesting you say that because there are like, if you're going to do the work and I don't know how the different programs and different things are structured Mm -hmm. differently, but if you just do like the first level and find all your limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. and then don't continue on, then Mm -hmm. yeah, you're kind of fucked. (laughs) Like, no, it can mess people up. Sorry. But like it can totally mess people up and then they have, they have no compass or or guidance and they don't, they don't know where to go. And then then you end up judging yourself and going in a downward spiral. Yeah. So you're like, great. Now I learned what a piece of shit I am. Now what? Now what? (laughs) So if you are doing any type of work and and I'm supposed to just love all this. (laughs) So if you are doing work and there's like three levels to it do all the levels please yeah but forgiveness is a huge piece and it's forgiving others and and forgiving yourself how do you do that though others or yourself do you want to start with let's let's start with others yeah and then I want to ask Jill if she's had this experience I want to hear like because I I don't I think the process for forgiveness can be different for everyone that's so true okay so for me I'm going to talk about others and what I've learned through my yoga teacher training and a lot of the work that I've done is that when you're holding on to resentment towards other human beings mm-hmm. and not forgiving, mm-hmm. you're essentially the one who's suffering. Mm. And you're essentially giving them your power by not forgiving them. And so holding on to grudges, resentments, any, especially from the past, mm-hmm. you end up being a prisoner of the past. Why does it feel good to hang on to your grudge though? It does, doesn't it? Yeah. I think you feel, I think it can feel powerful and empowering. Because you feel like, oh, I can control this. I'm the this. one with the control. Yeah, I control this. But they ultimately, have to prove it to me. It's, it's affecting your internal peace. Mm-hmm. So if it's affecting your internal peace, then that person has power over you. And what I've learned in forgiving other people, so for just things from my childhood or my parents for decisions they made yeah. that may have negatively affected my life mm-hmm. is... So it's compassion. So really knowing that everyone's on their own journey mm-hmm. and they're doing the best they can with what they have. 
even people who, again, you know, cheat on you, lie to you, your siblings that may hurt you, like they're not, they're, they're doing that because they're suffering. Yeah. So hurt people hurt people. Mm. Um, so when you can really find compassion for that and know that it wasn't about you, it was about everything that's going on inside of them. And that is a lesson that continues to come up for me. Yep. I recently had a friend like judge me harsh, very harshly for a Facebook post because I, I, I took a selfie and anyway, it was a weird, they totally judged me. And I was like, it's hard not to let it get to you. And I was like, okay, I love you. Like, I know this person must be going through something because that's mm-hmm. not about me. Who right. cares if I took a selfie? Yeah. <laughs> if you want selfie love, one. just have us do it because we love when people take selfies. Right. Like, you look amazing. I but. was like, whatever. I, I know the better angles. Yeah. But so it's really just about sending them love. And then once you forgive, so in forgiveness too, a lot of people get caught up in, they feel they have to have a conversation with this yeah, person. I was just going to ask that. Do you need to have the person there to say, hey, I forgive you? So you don't. There's many levels. So it can just be, it can be written. You can write a letter of forgiveness and that's, that's a really great way to release a lot of pain, anger, or any of those feelings. And then just, you could have the conversation with a mirror. <laughs> And like pretend like the person's in front of you yep. or yourself when mm-hmm. you're doing forgiveness for self. But it's it's really like anything else. And I know we talked about this in the podcast. It's a choice. Yeah. You choose to forgive. You choose to release. You choose to, for, to see compassion. You choose to send love. And then you just let it go. It's not that easy. Yeah. <laughs> but you like, it's, it's a process. <laughs> well, I love that. And I love that you said it's not that easy because I don't think it is. Uh, I don't think it is that easy. So one of my mentors, Danny Johnson, she used to say forgiveness is a habit. And sometimes you have to forgive and then you have to forgive again and you have to forgive again. And so we did this exercise and my mom was on this list and she goes, write down the person you need to forgive. And I remember writing her name and I was like, nope, (laughs) nope, not going to do it. Like, okay, next person on the, I could do these people, but I can't do her. I could do this person, but not her. Mm. And I went back to this workshop six months later, she was on the list again. And I was like, oh, and then I would try. So we did this little meditation and I'm like, okay, I forgive you. As soon as I opened my eyes, I was like, like the anger would come back. Mm. And so I had to do it over and over and over until I finally did. And I realized sometimes it would come back. So do you think it's a one-time, I mean, do you think it's a one-time thing or do you think that it can be a process? I think it's a practice and a process always. It's just like old triggers, you know, you are self-limiting beliefs. They find a way back in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I actually really believe that a lot of times we like to maintain our level of anger or self-righteousness or hurt or grudge because forgiving the other person feels like betrayal of ourselves Mm -hmm. like it's like taking them off the hook Mm -hmm. and it's a betrayal of ourself so it's like hey something feels off about that because as long as I can maintain my anger then I'm the one in power and I had this experience with Jade like for the first six months after I left the marriage I remember just being like well he's fine he's fine like I just had this very like self-righteous attitude and really I was in so much pain still and I was in so much hurt and I went to a Byron Katie event like four days I got massively ill like halfway through because I think I was just like purging like Mm -hmm. And it was, I wrote down, she has something called judge your neighbor worksheet. And I wrote down things like you're supposed to just judge the heck out of the person. So it's basically like Jade is self-righteous. He's stubborn. He's an adolescent. He's, you know, we've had this conversation, you know, he's an asshole, whatever. And I literally remember looking at it and she asked you to like kind of turn it around. And I was like, holy shit, I have been self-righteous. I have been stubborn. I have been, and it was like, it like just blew my head off. Like I was like, holy shit, this is me. And so having that experience and going like, and it literally just came down to use it a choice. I don't want to live this way anymore. I just don't want to live this way. I don't like moment to moment. I don't want to be in pain, hurt, be so preoccupied with what he's doing and all that kind of stuff. It felt like a prison, like a mental prison. I really had to have that experience. And so I do think that, yeah, forgiving other people can be tricky because you have to almost swallow your ego a little bit. Mm-hmm. You have to like really humble yourself. 
in a way, but to your point, it really is for you. Cause like moment to moment, how do you want to live? Do you want to be angry? Do you want to be hurt? Do you want to be self-righteous? Do you want those things? Yeah. It frees you from all of that. Well, and it doesn't condone their behavior or no. let, it doesn't, it doesn't mean it's okay what they did to you. No, yeah. there's still consequences it's, there. Yes. And it, but it's, it's freeing yourself totally. from the burden and the weight that not forgiving. So if you don't forgive and you held on to all that, that anger towards him, then you're suffering. So it frees totally. you from that. And did you feel, I mean, once Oh, you were, totally. And yeah. people didn't get it. They were like, how can you even like talk to that dude? Like, you know, they just didn't get it. And I was like, honestly, I'm not about to justify myself, but I don't want to be angry anymore. That's all it came down to. I think it's important too. And I want, I want Jill to expand on this part because we've had this conversation like in the car and stuff about saying you forgive someone like to their face, like, well, I forgive you. And like you expect something out of it. And there's something about just giving your forgiveness and having this like expectation. And I'm not really, yeah. Yeah. This is so funny. I, I don't think I've told the story before. So anyway, like six months after I found out about, um, or like maybe four or five months after I found out about Jade's affair, the woman who he was with, I remember doing a ton of work. I was reading Byron Katie every day. I was talking to my mentor all the time. Like I was just like, like my spiritual coach. I was like doing all this work. And I remember reaching out to her on Facebook. I sent her a message and I was like, Hey, I just want you to know that like, I understand and I know like, like I get it. And like, I just want you to know that like, to me, it's like water under the bridge. I know that you were just, you know, you did what you did and I'm, I forgive you. And I'm, I'm cool. I just want you to know I'm cool with it. I'm like, I'm good. Like we're good. We're moving through this, blah, blah, blah. And at the time I felt so good about myself. Like, look at me being the bigger person. Like, <laughs> look at me, like the one who's like, you know, the, the holier than thou. But I was just like, wow, it took a lot for me to do that. Right. I'm so like, I'm so yeah. proud of myself. So remember calling up my spiritual coach at the time we were talking constantly. And I just said, Oh my God, I can't wait to tell you what I did. And I said, i feel so good that I just like was able to forgive her. Like, isn't that amazing? And he just goes, and I remember this and it was so good. He just said, you'll know when you're truly over it, when you feel zero urge to reach out. And I was just like, <laughs> like it, I hated it. Like I hated, I wanted him to be like, good job. And like, get the like, you know, yeah. but I remember just being like, he's so right. It has nothing. Cause she wrote back and she was just like, it was very anticlimactic. Like I expected her to be like, so gracious. Yeah, and so like, like happy for that I forgiving forg- me. Oh, it was totally like, <laughs> like I was waiting happen, on you. Know, you what are you going to do? Forward. It was literally like things happen. What are you going to do? And I was like, that's the fucking response. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I remember feeling so disappointed in that response. Cause I just wanted the validation that yeah. I was good. And that I was like, that she was so happy to get my forgiveness. It's so like, just egotistically well that's the thing too right is like I didn't understand before when people said forgiveness is for you not the other person because I used to think it was for the other person like I'm I'm forgiving you and they're supposed to be like oh thank you now I can move on with my life because you've forgiven (laughs) me yeah they've moved on or they don't even care (laughs) they don't care (laughs) they're like oh I didn't even know you were holding this over my head like I didn't know you were stabbing voodoo dolls behind my back and they're like whatever so I I really used to think that forgiveness was for them so I used to think like for my mom I'd have to go and say I forgive you. Well, it wasn't for her. It was for me. And I did not understand that for a long time. I really didn't understand how it was for me. Now I do get how it is. It was for me because it was for me to just let it go. Literally all the things I thought about my mom or whoever else I was holding a grudge against, they were oblivious to it. It wasn't like they were living their life. Like, I wonder what Danny's doing. I wish she'd forgive me already, but it's just not like that. So the forgiveness really is for your own self. Absolutely. That was a, a big piece for me to, to, I didn't understand for a long time. I'm like, how is it for me? They need to be waiting their whole life on hold till I forgive them. And like, like I can't, I, you know, like put the sword to the shoulder. Like now you may go. <laughs> I love that you talked about compassion and being able to give the person the benefit of the doubt and realize that 
they didn't know what they didn't know. They were doing their best. And that's so hard at times to believe that because we're like, but they could have done better. And so I think this is a good segue into forgiving yourself mm -hmm. because I think that comes down to compassion as well. So how do you start forgiving yourself? Which for is harder. Ways in which you which is harder for y'all. Struggled or ways in which you did things that you didn't know you were doing at the time or yeah, or even that you did know you were doing. I know it's, that's a big one. Well, and what you just said triggered for me too is when, and I think, I think you said it is looking the, the workshop that you did. Yeah. Looking at yourself because mm -hmm. nobody's perfect. Yeah. We're not perfect no. humans. Yeah. Do we show up the perfect best version of ourselves and we're proud of every single moment and every single word that we say and every single act that we do? No. Yeah. So that's kind of segues into that forgiveness for self. And I, I mean, I, I'd love to hear everyone's take on this. Yeah, um, sure. I think for me, it goes back to like just self-acceptance and it's, it's, I know it seems so general, but really knowing that we are all doing the best that we can with what we have. And part of the human experience is to make mistakes. That's how we learn. Mm. You know, if we were perfect all the time, or if we just live these like monotonous lives, we wouldn't grow. We wouldn't learn. There wouldn't be no like spice and flavor in life. So really accepting that. And then when we make decisions in the moment, again, like knowing that you're making, you're making the best decision that you can in that yeah. moment. You might not be able to see the future or, or you might not think of the consequence, but in that moment, it served you for some reason. That's why you chose it. Yep. And so for like, if we're talking infidelity, like in that moment, someone needed attention outside of their marriage mm -hmm. and that, that was, that made sense for them. They didn't think of the consequence. They didn't think they, I, I actually don't, I don't think that people hurt people intentionally. No. Yeah. Yeah. They hurt people because they're hurting and they're suffering yeah. again. So when you can, it's really understanding others because then you can understand yourself and how you show up. Do you think it's harder to forgive yourself or others personally? Personally? For you, what's been harder? Hmm. Maybe myself. Mm -hmm. I would say myself. I think, it takes, I think it's a longer process. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a longer process. What about you, Jill? I definitely think uh, forgiving yourself because that's evolving, right? Because we can, we can make the choice to look back on any decision and beat ourselves up about it. Like the cake I ate last night or like, I mean, yeah. I, there's a million verses. I feel like sometimes there's only a handful of people that in our life, because we're not going to, you know, I don't really have to do the work. If someone cuts me off in traffic, I'm like, you know, I don't really like do the work on that person, but like, you know, forget, <laughs> like you're, you're forgiven, you know, like I, I feel like yeah. you, I think it is a lifelong process and I think it is about. I love what Shauna said about just recognizing that in that moment, that's the choice that you wanted and not beat yourself up for things that you didn't know. So I have a really interesting story about like kind of self-love or self-compassion. And of course, like we talked about food obsession, we've talked about, uh, you know, overindulgences and stuff like that. And that's one of the biggest tools to help people move on and kind of quit the yo-yo dieting cycle is to like have compassion for themselves. And when they do mess up or they overindulge kind of going like, okay, great, what's next? How can I be better? Get clinical with it, et cetera. But I had this moment, I was in Sedona. That place just does weird fucking things to you. Like just <laughs> the crystals or whatever. And I'm not like super spiritual. Like, like I'm not really super, super spiritual, but we did uh, fire breathing. So we did like a, like a breathing class and like breath work. And the woman who was facilitating it, this is like maybe six months after I moved to LA. And she said, think about a time that like, you know, uh, like think about like one of your trigger times in your past, right? So I like things you, maybe something you want to work through. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know, but I, I kind of started in mind that I would think about my dad because my parents got divorced when I was two as well. And I thought, you know, maybe um, I'll do some work on my dad, my abandonment issue, right? So maybe my dad, he left and maybe I was have abandonment issues. 
And what came up for me and was so blindsiding was I started bawling my eyes out thinking about my 24-year-old self and not knowing what I didn't know at that time. Because at that point, the narrative that Jade has was Jill was younger than me. She was selfish. She didn't consider me. She didn't, like she was just self-centered because I was in my 20s and he was in his 30s. And I just remember beating myself up over that, beating myself up about being young and being kind of self-centered and all those things. I don't even know that I was those things, by the way, but that was the perception that I had. And I remember out of the blue came this like 24-year-old and I remember just like seeing myself and I started bawling, being like, I just wanted to like hug that person. I wanted to like hug my 24-year-old self who like just didn't know what she didn't know. And instead of beating myself up for those things, just having like this outpouring of compassion, I actually journaled on it. And it was just like so amazing to have that. And I was just like, that's how it is. We have to be able to show ourselves compassion because we don't know. And we always make the decision that we want to make in that moment. So we can't regret because it's what we wanted at the time. I'm so glad you shared that story. I, I think you might have told me, but I don't remember the bawling part because I never see you get super emotional. But <laughs> Well, breath work does that too. <laughs> but I was going to say that for me, doing some self-forgiveness stuff included some kind of grieving, like sobbing and really just being sad for myself then. Like, and, mm -hmm. and I don't like compassion is maybe the right word, but I just felt like I was, I was sad for myself that I just didn't know what I didn't know. And I look back at my 16 year old self or my 18 year old self and just really sad for that girl and just going, you know, you just, you just didn't know. And so I guess it does come down to compassion, but that self-forgiveness had to come from just almost just like, yeah, you just sort of like, you just you didn't know, sweetheart, like, <laughs> it's okay. But it did come with like some, some crying, some tears and just like grieving and grieving, like maybe the time that was lost because of making bad decisions, like grieving some maybe mistakes made because I thought of myself, like I was hating myself. And if I had loved myself, I would have made different decisions and grieving those pieces that maybe I lost or whatever it was. But I think for I think self-forgiveness for me was much, much harder than forgiving others. And it wasn't easy in any way, but it also came with a lot of just sadness and mm -hmm. maybe just longing and missing maybe some things I missed out on, not to a place where there's regret. I don't regret anything, but definitely a, just kind of, I don't know, like a bittersweet kind of like mm -hmm. you didn't know, you know? Yeah. Definitely a lot of, it's an emotional process mm -hmm. for sure. That release and forgiveness. Yeah. Mine was through my work. It was a lot, a lot of yelling, a lot of crying, a lot of, yeah. yeah, I did. And I did a lot of writing too. I think yeah. that's super powerful. I haven't done really any like mirror work that never resonated with me. I know Louise Hay, I love like Hay House and all of the stuff from like Wayne Dyer and stuff, but mirror work was always weird to me, but I d I've always done a lot of writing and I did a lot of journaling and writing and just writing letters to my 16 year old self or writing letters to myself or just, just journaling out. And like, actually, I think even having the conversations, having come talking, writing things out. And once it's just like out of you, suddenly you, you can look at it objectively or look at it in another way and go, well, okay, it is, this is where you were. But I think that's for self forgiveness. It could be really an emotional yeah. roller coaster. Yeah, and the right. I'm glad you brought up the writing and journaling because it is so powerful in forgiveness, in self love. Like one of the exercises I've done at retreats is have people write love letters to themselves, mm -hmm. and because it, it's like what you were saying earlier is like finding those pieces that you really love, and mm -hmm. again talking to yourself in that way or writing forgiveness letters mm -hmm. is it's a lot of emotion, but like in that writing, when those emotions come up, that is the healing. That's part of the process. So it's really really powerful. How do you feel about affirmations? I like affirmations. 
I believe so much in the power of the mind yeah. and the power of intention. Mm-hmm. And um, I know Danette's really big on this too, doing daily affirmations in the morning. Yep. And I, I really do think that there is a vibration and energy to our words and the words that we're telling ourselves every day. So whether you're doing that, you know, closing the eyes and kind of doing it in a meditation where you're setting your intention or you're doing your I am, you know, yeah. I am love, I am this. You know, when you see yourself as that, I, I really do think it sets yourself you know, it sets yourself in that mode for the day. Or I know a lot of people do like sticky affirmations on their uh-huh. mirrors or yep. their cars. And it's those constant reminders. I, I really do think it's, I know it seems simple and some people are like roll their eyes at it, but I think it's really powerful. Maybe like for, to wrap this up, maybe we can each have like three of our most powerful self-love, like tips, tricks, tools, mm-hmm. things that we found. What do you, you I feel like start? I've already shared just mine. Wrap it, just bullet point three. it. Give me three, Jill. On Gosh, the spot. The no. pressure. <laughs> Three self-love. I think one way that you can show yourself self-love is becoming, I know we didn't talk about this that much about, so you had mentioned the mind and intentions. I am also a huge fan of actions because I do, and I, I know they go together, but I do think that there is a way for you to become more self-loving, the more competent you become in a certain area. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I'm there's an evidence now that I'm good at something, you know, whether that doesn't need to be like, because other people think I'm good. It's just like, wow, I do feel a level of purpose and meaning and uh, I'm making a difference because I'm doing this. I feel like I'm making an impact in the world. There's something about that, at least for me, moving from the fitness modeling space to online business and being more a content creator and, and adding value feels like, okay, I'm, I'm making a contribution and I can really appreciate that about myself because that was intentional and I took actions in order to get better at that. So I think for me, probably, you know, one of them is, is competency. So like deciding like where it is that you want to create evidence that you are, that you can become like masterful at something. So I know it's a little bit different than what we were talking about, but I do think that, yes, mindset is amazing, but I do think at some point that like intentional action actually pays off too. Action, competency. I I think mine would be really I like, I'm a big affirmation person. I really think self-talk is super important. Um, I also think journaling and getting really introspective on what makes you, you that's outside of your physical identity, because I've, you know, that just keeps coming up is like, what is it? What is your essence? Not your physical look, not your body, not what can you do, not who you are. Are you a mo- like, great, you're a mom, you're a sister, you, you work, you're a wife, but yeah. what are you besides all those titles? And I think that could be really, really um, something hard to do, but really important. And maybe just asking your friends, like going, hey, what do you see about me? Mm-hmm. This is really self really but what are three yeah. things that make me amazing? Mm-hmm. But I do think it's important. Yeah. And then affirming those things, like I, I think affirmations can be so, so powerful. And I would say my third one for radical self-love is just, and I learned this from Jill, honestly, is just the non-judgment. I'm one who's like super critical of myself. So like not judging as much, you know, not, <laughs> as much, not judging the judging, not judging, but just, if I do something, just stop, just like stop beating myself up. Yeah. Stop judging it. Love yourself through the process. Mm-hmm. That's what I yeah. like to say. I like that. I, now I'm getting a flood of a lot of things, but let me see. Let me break them down. Yeah. So self-love. So again, owning all parts of you. Mm-hmm. So the darkness and the light, we're all human. And sometimes we show up in unfavorable ways in relationship in business and, you know, and just, and just, loving yourself through that and mm-hmm. knowing that we're all human. Another big one for me that's probably kind of relevant to what, what you ladies do as well is just taking, it's self-care. Mm-hmm. So taking care of yourself, mind, body, and spirit. Mm-hmm. So that's being intentional about the foods that you're putting in your body, yeah. 
the thoughts you're putting in your mind. So getting that meditation practice and then working out is working out is a form of self-love. Yeah. So, you know, that's like love your body or work yeah. out because you love your body, not because you hate it. Yeah. Like eating healthy, working out, meditating, all of these things are, are love, love languages or mm. little love yeah. notes to your soul. So I think that's really important. And then I think it, I, I really think it is like finding those unique things that make you, you, because it's so fascinating to me that there, there's no one else and there will never, ever be anyone else mm. like you. Yeah. You have a unique blueprint yep. you're, from your past experiences, your life, your knowledge, the things you've learned, you're aware. It's just like, there's no one else like you that's put together in that perfect package yeah. and like really owning that and knowing that that's your power. So instead of trying to be somebody else or trying to compete with somebody else, especially in our space or yeah. industry, looking at like, oh, she, you know, yeah. looking at everyone, it's so easy to do, but be like, no, yeah. like she does not have me because I'm me. And I, I don't know. I think that's a really... It's really fascinating and really powerful. Yeah. It's so really counterintuitive, just, especially as you grow up, especially like as women, you grow up and we try to like be like other people that yeah. are, are showing up or they're successful or they're pretty or they're getting affirmation. We're like, we just need to be more like that. No. So it's like undoing and unlearning yeah, a lot of the like, just try to keep up and just try to, you know, look like other people or do what they do. And it's almost the opposite of that. Yeah. Just it's like you. owning your uniqueness. Yeah. yeah. And that's like you said courage. when you did that post that was like so different from your fitness stuff and you did a book, you're like, here's me. And it was really scary. And then I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> yep. applause. Like everyone loves it. Like yep. the more you, you are. And, and I think a lot on social media too, it's talking and you both do this yeah. because I've seen very recent personal stories is talking about the dark times, talking about the times that we fall down. Yeah. And I think that is so important and that people are craving realness and authenticity. Yeah. And so just being you and, and, and accepting that you're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, I love that reminder. I think it's really cool. Love, love. Thank you, Shauna, for being on our little roundtable discussion. Can we laugh at my shirt? I know. I know her Aww. shirt says more self-love. That's what she's wearing <laughs> right now. I love it. <laughs> you guys definitely go and make sure that you follow Shauna on social media. Um, her content is amazing. And she's always, if you guys feel like this resonated with you and you want more of this stuff, uh, feel free to reach out. And I will make sure we put all of that in the show notes. And let's keep this conversation going at the Best Life Podcast. Com is our closed Facebook community. If you guys want to chime in, maybe share some of your self-love tips and what you have been through, we would be happy to receive that. Love it. Right. Thanks, we'll ladies. see you guys soon. Bye, guys. Bye.